Hello, I'm Alexander Walker of the Fashion Collective Podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, then thank you for taking the time to check us out. The Fashion Collective Podcast is a place for creatives to learn, share, collaborate, and support each other. Each week, you'll get in-depth interviews with creators talking about their creative process, inspirations, giving advice, and sharing their opinions on the major topics within the industry. Our mission is to create a space for creatives. If you have the time, I would greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, how's it going, Gartik? Not bad, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I mean, before we kind of get into everything, can you just share just, you know, a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm Karthik Kumra. I'm uh, the designer and I sort of run this small brand called Karu Research based out of New Delhi. I'm uh, currently a student in the U.S. at uh, UPenn. I've just come back because of the pandemic and set this up. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll be getting into all of that over the episode, you know, moving into, you know, segment one, style ethos, you know, how would you describe your, you know, your personal style? Um, <laughs> so the personal style over the last year has sort of gone out of the window. It's very much like what's on top of the laundry pile. <laughs> <laughs> Just comfort oriented, not leaving the house that much other than like business related stuff. So it's very much sort of vintage t-shirt. Just that pile right. being recycled through. And because it's sort of so hot most of the year in India, it's a lot of shorts, some baggies, and a lot of my um, rejected samples and stuff like that. But, so are yeah. you are you wearing at least one piece of yours every day, or it's just like a really good mix? Yeah, like inadvertently, what happened is basically when uh, COVID hit, I was on spring break and uh, I didn't get a chance to like clear up my room, so all my clothes are actually with my roommate. Back in oh the really <laughs> so it's all the stuff here is pretty much like my samples a few things that i'm sort of recycling through every sort of every week it's sort of the same stuff um but like ideally it does my personal style like back when like stuff is norm was normal it was again lots of vintage teens or double knees uh again vintage pants i used to just go around to some stores in philly and buy stuff there and then uh whenever i was traveling picked up some some stuff like some grails from like capital Lisbon stuff that I like. Oh wow, nice. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can just move into segment two. You know, what are you? What have you been obsessed with? So, are those still like brands you're really into, like the capital Lisbons of the world? Uh, yeah, from like appreciating like the amount of thought and like craftsmanship that goes into each thing. Like I think those two brands really have dialed that in. They're not like my favorite brands per se, but they just sort work with what i like to wear i think they're very wearable most of the pieces and they're also like really easy to find on grailed and stuff when you're a student you know you want to go secondhand or vintage a lot of the time uh, and you know it's fairly accessible i'm not like super adventurous with my style for most adventurous stuff i have and wear is probably my own stuff which is again very sort of oriented towards wearable but uh, yeah, so those are brands that I like. I try and support like smaller businesses now with stuff that I buy. There's like a brand called right. Rasta based out of Pakistan that I really like. There's a brand called Eleven Eleven in India that again I really like. Um, and then just 
it's mostly like t-shirts from smaller brands as well as stuff like that or really like graziano and gutierrez you guys had them oh before. Yeah. yeah yeah shout out they're great yeah. uh have you been like, you know picking up stuff like in india like any like you named off a few brands are you like going to any other local stores or to pick stuff up are you getting it mostly online uh yeah like once in a while shopping sort of come down just not really happening right now because a lot of my focus is just on the business and uh, a lot of the sort of clothes that i'm getting or just stuff that like doesn't work for the brands. Like if I've made a hoodie and it's like one inch too narrow or, you know, the hem is off, then I'll just keep it and wear it for myself. And that's sort of been the, the new acquisitions. Here and there, like I'll buy stuff. I was getting a chip to like my roommate when I really liked something, but uh, that can get frustrating for him as well. So I'll sort of slow <laughs> down there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, anything else you've been obsessed with? You know, anything, you know, music, movies, uh, TV shows, books, articles, pretty much anything. Uh, so it's been a lot of screen time while I've been at home. Favorite shows sort of all ended, I want to say, like two years ago. Like, I was a big Silicon Valley guy. V, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love both succession. of those. Can't wait till that Basically, comes back out. Season three. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. That's going to be electric. But those are sort of my favorite shows it's been a lot of sort of going back into stuff that i sort of missed the wave on so i've never seen breaking bad before the pandemic wow um, okay sort of completely skipped that part <laughs> of culture so, so going back into that i'm still gonna start better call so uh but yeah it's between like online school and working on the company there's not like so much time so that i can like devote to a full series so it sort of goes um, in its waves depending on like when I have a holiday or something. Yeah, I mean, it has to be, you know, tough balancing both of those, like, you know, going to, you know, UPenn and also, you know, managing a brand. I mean, that is extremely tough. Uh, moving into, you know, segment three, you know, rapid fire, just kind of getting your quick opinion on something. Uh, I really want to get your opinion on you know, we're seeing, you know, more and more brands kind of do a lot of their manufacturing in India, you know, brands like, you know, Story MFG, you know, 18 East have decided to, you know, do a lot of, you know, the production of their garments in India. You know, what do you, how do you feel about the, you know, recent rise in popularity with, you know, producing in, in India? Uh, yeah, I think it's like really good for India uh, just because a lot of these small manufacturers, tailors, especially with COVID when I was sort of looking for different people to work with. Um, they, the fact that they were sort of willing to work with someone like me in terms of my production quantities and things like that, they were really hurt uh, because of the pandemic. So any sort of work with them is only good uh, for the sort of artisanal sector. Um, and yeah, those brands do like really good stuff. I, I like the clothes. Um, there's been like some back and forth with both of them, uh, which has like been not that savory. Um, from that side, oh, really? in terms of like the clothes that they make, like, yeah, they're great. They do good stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you want to you know speak further about that? Like, in just in terms of you know how do people you know work with these artisans? Uh, you know, how do you make sure yeah. that you're doing it in the right way? Yeah, no, for sure. So I think I think for me, where being in India and like sort of speaking the language, 
uh, being connected with some people like, just by being Indian. Um, it gives me a sort of advantage relative to other brands in that I can work directly with the artisan or the artisanal cluster. So like I'm on WhatsApp or giving giving a call and just traveling to wherever my manufacturing is happening or with that artisan. Uh, whereas so I have no like middleman anymore. So like the first sampling round, I sort of went down that middleman road, but it's typically like some expat who's come and set up a business in India or you know, there's just layers. So it's better to sort of give more money to the artisan directly, in my opinion. So that's sort of what I've been focusing right. on yeah. uh, with the with the, manufa- with the manufacturing process. Like there's a, if for an example, so like my block printing guy in uh, Rajasthan, like outside Jaipur, I'll just drive down. It's like four and a half hours for me if I need something like urgently or like we're working on some fabric, like I'll just go there and just come back at night sort of thing, make a day trip out of it, which, so that sort of accessibility is is really huge for me and made it, made it a lot easier with, uh, you know, with you want to, when you're setting up a brand almost with COVID and everything sort of being online and via email, or WhatsApp or these different mediums, having some sort of like person-to-person involvement in the creation of the product is really key. Yeah. And are you traveling most of the time to, you know, talk to the people you produce with or are, is most of the time you're spent in, you know, in New Delhi? Uh, so because of online school, it depends. So if it's like a big midterm week or like, you know, if there's a month where I'm just, really getting hammered by schoolwork, then it'll be mostly based in New Delhi. But like for sort of laying the foundations for the next collection, like I'll go travel a little bit. Whatever sort of COVID allows as well. It's sort of gone up and down a lot in India. Uh, so depending on sort of when those two things align, that gives me a little bit more uh, of an opportunity to go and travel and actually work with the people first time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to, you know, have you, you know, share your secrets, but are there any uh, cities or areas that are really known for, I mean, I'm sure there's so many, but, you know, some that are, some of your favorites that are known for, you know, garment making, like certain areas or cities? Yeah. So, uh, again, loads of regions will have their own sort of spin on a lot of similar uh, techniques, but uh so like my Kanta embroidery that I get done, which is essentially borrowers, Sikho stitching, but Indian, very similar, not exactly the same. I think the way they tie the knots is slightly different, but functionally very similar uh, disciplines. That happens in the West, so like West Bengal. I haven't been able to travel that far because that's like a two, three hour flight. Uh, but that, uh, that's where a lot of my Kanta embroidery happens. And a lot of the, the sourcing of uh, the vintage quilts, a lot of the block printing that happens in uh, the uh, east, uh, the west of the country, which is Rajasthan. So, sorry, I meant east for Bengal and uh, west for Rajasthan. And okay. then a lot of the sort of natural dyeing happens in uh, in Delhi. I work with one person. Some of it happens like at home, like on my balcony, in the and in the <laughs> kitchen. So some of it nice. just making do. Yeah. Yeah, 
It just sometimes that's sort of what you have to do is like the sound faded quotes on my uh, uh, Instagram. That's something that I'm working a lot uh, with for SS22, which, which is like the idea of sound fading, because that's just probably the most sustainable way to get that sort of vintage look on the garment. No sort of chemical washes and stuff like that are very minimal. Um, so I'm trying to sort of incorporate that as much as possible into SS22. That mostly happens. So the dyeing, everything, I'll just do that on my balcony. But uh, so, so that really varies depending on like what you want to get done. I would say pretty much anywhere you can get a lot of the stuff done. There are some places that are just better at it from like a historical lineage perspective. Yeah, and then you know, lastly, before we you know get into everything with the brand and your journey, you know, are there any you know, other brands or artisans or uh, stores that people should be keeping an eye out for from, you know, in the in New Delhi or in India in general that you would want to shout out? Um, so stores, there's a guy, uh, stores is tough. I think the idea of sort of the John's enthusiast menswear space that I think a lot of us reside in hasn't really come to India. I think okay. when like a young person is setting up a store, it's very much more like pleasures, Chinatown market focused. So like streetwear, that's more sort of accessible. And the sort of orientation towards like what's aspirational is more like those brands in India, at least amongst like younger kids. Uh, so menswear boutiques is fairly limited, a lot of the sort of interest and um, all the sales, like I would say most of the sales have come from the U.S., but it's sort of, which is a weird concept, like just philosophically, but that it's not really appreciated that much in India. But I think that's growing. Okay. And I'm sure like some stuff will pop up fairly soon. There's there's yeah. like a couple of stores, but I don't even think they'll do like international shipping. It's like super localized. Okay. Well, hey, I mean, you know, once we're all able to travel again, you know, hopefully in the next yeah. few coming months, hopefully we can, you know, go over there and start checking out. Yeah. The growing for industry. sure yeah you know, moving like cities like Je- sorry cities like uh jaipur are really good for like indian textiles and people doing interesting stuff with them there's a brand called harago i think they're on blackwood spy plane as well um really good oh, yeah. guy yeah and he he works with a lot of vintage textiles out of uh, i think jaipur and just that region in general uh but so that's the sort of textile hub for like at least what's being uh, shown so far. There's like all sorts of different techniques that I plan on sort of getting to eventually over the course of, you know, exploring India with this brand. Yeah, I think 18 East uh, has quite a few, you know, garments that are made out there as well. Um, yeah. You know, moving into, you know, the main topic, you know, you and your journey and you know, everything that you're doing, you know, I want to start off from, you know, from the top, you know, what initially kind of got you into fashion yeah uh so it was a lot of podcasts it was a lot of youtube content i was one of the i'm one of those like discord kids that's just like <laughs> talking about fashion online you know uh, like what are we talking about like you know throwing fits and yeah, you know black yeah. spy plane and yeah yeah that whole universe um and sort of i think i started off more as like a sneaker reseller i think a lot of younger guys have sort of gotten into this space by starting off there and uh, that slowed down a lot but uh, i was big into like 
reselling sneakers supreme all that and, uh, was, how do you feel about that like, now like would you do you do it at all i mean what do you think about like what people are saying kind of like the commodification of you know sneakers and stuff like that like you know what are your thoughts on that yeah so in terms of whether i do it at all like no i'm not buying stuff to sell anymore but if i have some stuff lying around and i don't really want to wear it anymore like i will sell it and then i have some ds stuff lying so i'll just I'll sell that as well. <laughs> I actually have a pair of Travis Dunks that I'm just waiting to get rid of because the more okay. I sort of look at them, <laughs> I got them for retail from like the skate store in Delaware. And, really? Uh, wow. Yeah, just want a raffle. And uh, they've just been setting for like the last year. But so, in terms of like my involvement, it's reducing a lot. Being in India sort of made me realize like how sort of unnecessary that whole culture is. Um, for me, but I think uh, in terms of like it being a means to an end for like starting something you really want to do, like I'm definitely an advocate for that. So like the intention was never to like keep that going. It was always to like do something with the money I make from there. And that's sort of what I've done. So I, nice. I don't like hit the concept of it. I'm not a fan of like talking about it or like building your personality around that sort of hustle and grind culture thing. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's fine if you just do it. Like, you know, it doesn't need to be like super publicized, which is where I think it becomes corny, right? Right, like you know, if your mom's like a VP at Nike, and you, yeah, know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was not making that much money, but you know, uh, <laughs> just dabbling a little bit here and there. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so you were, you know, watching a lot of the YouTube content, you know, podcast, you know, reading, you know, you know, newsletters mm-hmm. like Blackbird, Spy Plane. Yeah. So when did you realize? And reading realize... books as well. Oh, what kind of books? Like uh, Amatora. Okay. That, that was a really good one. It's like, um, I'm sure like a lot of your listeners are familiar with it, but uh, I was basically like going through like the Bless Foster cat video right. like, books he recommends. <laughs> So just sort of like very entry point stuff, but I sort of knew the idea of what I wanted to do. And I didn't need to get like really technical for that to sort of get going at the story. So in terms of clarity of thought, stuff like that, all the uh, ideation stuff is really useful to read some of those things, but, uh, and watch a lot of those YouTube videos. Uh, even if it's like a vintage pickups video, you know, you'll see something that inspires you and suddenly you know you're drawing something i was always like a a sketch guy uh i've like okay. a, i've always had a sketchbook so I'll, I'll just draw stuff it wasn't always clothes but um i guess the more i got into that whole john's universe the more that happened and being yeah. in philly really helps as well so okay so now you're you're really into you know fashion you you know you bought a lot of it you were really interested you obviously you have a deep knowledge. So it, was it just like all culminating in like, hey, I really want to just see what I can design, what I can make and just make stuff that interests you? Like, when did you start to yeah. realize like, okay, I want to start a brand? So the idea was to sort of make clothes that um, I felt like represented my culture uh, and thought were like, from an Indian perspective, were like interesting in that they would explore different parts of India, both like, 
geographically, from a technique perspective, and from like a storytelling perspective. And that stuff's going to be where I sort of take the brand, the more confident I get, like as a designer. Uh, but the, that was this point. It was more, I just didn't see like Indian clothes made by Indian people and uh, from telling stories about my country. And it's it's weird because it's such a huge country. And similarly for China, right? Like those are two countries that just aren't that represented in fashion. Like if you go through Essence, you just won't find brands from those countries. Right, um, yeah. Which I which is like changing. And hopefully like I can be part of that. But it's uh, it's just something that didn't really exist the way I wanted it to exist. And uh, I like obviously 18 Eastern Story MFG existed, but they're very much like, we just make clothes in India than our Indian brands. And uh, mm-hmm. there's an element that makes, like I have like opinions on all of that as well, like the way India is sort of portrayed, but um, it's obviously that there was a need for something Indian. And I think Harago does that as well, but that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I think that's really great. And yeah, definitely, now that I think about it, yeah, I mean, it's really like a serious issue when you look at Essence, Matches Fashion, you know, Farfetch, you know, how many of those brands are, you know, Indian brands? I mean, that's a serious issue. And hopefully, yeah, yeah Matt, as you as you said, like, you can be a part of that change. Yeah, Matches is making, like, big changes. Like, they have Harago on. They have some Indian brands, like 11.11, I think, as well. But uh, I think that changes, like, definitely in the process of happening and it's because of like people before me like this is for like the listeners this is a it's been two months since we launched like a month and a half since we launched our first product it's been like a year in the making but we're very young right now so uh, it's definitely a result of like people before me but i'm just sort of looking to be a part of that movement where the sort of indian men's wars looked at you know in a in the light that other countries are you know, going to the brand, you know, Collection One came out, you know, this year, but, you know, as you said, like, it's been a long time in the making, you know, how was the process of kind of like learning these, you know, Indian handcraft techniques? Like, how long did it take you to become kind of comfortable with the design? Because you're coming from like, not really designing prior to like now making these very intricate designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of, because of, in my lack of experience there's a lot of back and forth with the artisan in the design process um from like a pattern making or even i'll talk to my contact embroiderer about okay what patterns are possible can you can we do this how much time will this take so there's a lot of back and forth it's not like i'm just sort of sending an email saying do this but uh, that's helped a lot like their knowledge and a lot of the pattern making stuff like that was just trial and error and like I'll mess up a lot of the times but nothing I'm doing from a silhouette perspective is really like pushing the boundaries of tailoring it's more just sort of working with interesting fabrics and putting them in a context that like I would like to wear or at least that's what the brand stands right now it might change the more confident I get as a designer as well but um, so the process of like learning how Clothes were made was a lot of YouTube, uh, a lot of like working with my tailor and just some trial and error. And I think we've gotten it to a point where the sort of by the second sample, 
it's good. It's it's ready um, from a product perspective. So it's been a learning curve, but it's been fairly quick, and it's not like impossible to learn. And uh, obviously, if I I'm not like ready to make like a couture dress, but for what I'm doing, it's not been like super difficult. So your advice to someone, because a lot of people who are listening are you know aspiring creatives. So you would say like, hey, just start and just just do something. You know, you know, use the resources that you have. You know, available and just start and see what happens. Or is that what you pretty much would yeah. say? I think especially if you're a student, right? Because you don't necessarily. I mean, I don't know about everyone's sort of financial situations, and they have to take that into account. But like when they're ready to devote a certain amount of time to the brand, but for me, like, I'm privileged to the point where I don't need to, you know, I don't need this to work to the point where this is what I'm living off for the next year. I'm still a student and it can grow like organically, fairly slowly and pick up traction, ideally, over like a two year process. Right. Yeah. And, you know, how has it been, you know, growing the brand over the course of this year? I mean, it, it's been a you know crazy, you know, last you know couple of years. You know, how has it been, you know, navigating, you know, COVID, you know, and just the normal, you know, struggles that comes with like starting a brand? Yeah, so with COVID, the timelines became super abstract. Uh, you were really sort of hoping that anything would come in within like a two week window of when the deadline was. And that also wasn't met. A lot of the times, and a lot of the time, it was because cities were going into lockdown, or like the monsoon was really heavy, and uh, certain things couldn't happen. Uh, so all that stuff, I'm slowly realizing a lot of that is just symptomatic of the Indian manufacturing process, uh, but <laughs> which is unfortunate. But it, we're getting it down to more and more precise science. Uh, nice. In terms of sort of getting word about the brand out that's been like super tough uh i've like flowed a lot of product a lot of it like hasn't been posted a lot of it has uh it's very sort of hit and miss as it is with the sort of just a high risk high reward game with uh, seeding product uh we haven't really had any press or any attention it's been super small uh, I have like zero connections in the fashion industry besides like literally DMing people and building them over the last couple of months. But uh, it'll get there. I think it'll hit its sort of inflection point where I'm fairly confident that the clothes are good enough to resonate with people once they see it. But yeah, we just haven't hit that point yet. Hey, and hopefully um, this exposes it yeah. to even more people because I think, yeah, yeah it's, for sure. it's incredible. I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, this was this is super helpful regarding that as well, because it's it's been a slow grind. Because you never know like what's going to be the thing that like helps you break the sort of uh, monotony of like low followership, low engagement sort of thing. And uh, hopefully that stuff comes soon. Yeah, I mean, you did you know have you know Gian, uh Shout out to him. You know, repost a jacket, and you know, shout out to you know Nicholas. Uh, you know, friend of the pod, you know, he's also a fan of the brand. You know, how does it feel to see some, you know, quite a few people I know are really big fans of it? Yeah, I think from it, it that's a great feeling. Like, it's always really good to like engage with people. 
uh, that like the stuff or even just want to know more about the stuff. Um, and I think amongst the sort of like, let's call it like the throwing fets listener community. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> of like, you know, because it's a very similar interest group, right? Uh, or uh, not an interest group, but a group of people with very similar interests in that they like searching for new stuff in that very, if you know, you know type of way. And I think right now where the brand is, people really resonate with, it resonates with that idea. So it's very easy for people to see that connection and then engage with the brand. But it's uh, just a matter of sort of getting it out to more people right now. Yeah. And I think this is a great segue into, you know, talking about some of my favorites from the brand. And anytime I have, you know, a designer such as yourself on, I would always like to see if there's any, you know, details or backstory that doesn't come through, you know, looking at, looking at pictures online. Uh, the first one, you know, I really want to talk about is the one that you kind of recently posted, you know, that lavender, you know, vintage uh, Cantha jacket. You know, I really love like that beige color. You know, what's the story behind that jacket? Yeah, so I was uh, in Jaipur or like a neighboring town to Jaipur where I source a lot of these quilts from, uh, I want to say earlier this month. And uh, I was just sort of digging through the crates and a lot of the stuff, like it's all really expertly made from a craftsmanship standpoint, but it most of it doesn't sort of translate into a jacket and you really have to be sort of careful with what stuff you're picking and even if like the pattern is really nice it depends on whether uh, the condition is good enough or it's frayed too much stuff like that has to you know that's where the eye of the designer comes in i guess or the yeah that's where the curation process happens so it's just sort of digging through the crates and you never i've seen two purple ones so far one is this lavender one and i did another purple one uh, a uh, month ago and it's just so rare to find that so as soon as i had it i was like yeah this one's mine i'm taking this and <laughs> you're like i'm taking um, this I'm using it. yeah yeah unfortunately actually the photos didn't come out that great because it was an overcast day it's actually like way more lavender than sort of grayish beige so i might have to like, yeah. do some stories or something to explain that because um it's way nicer in person with a lot of my clothes it's actually just way nicer in person Wow. So how much of your day is spent like looking through crates, looking for, you know, that great material? So it's in bursts. It's like when I'll make a trip to go out, it's like a vintage shop person with the, who just goes picking. And when you're there, you're just really digging through the crates. It's not like an everyday thing. Right. Uh, it's also the place where I source them is like five or six hours away. So it's not uh, super convenient, but once I get there, I try and get like 25 to 30 quotes or something like that. And, you know, carry that into the next run of production. Um, so this one, yeah, there's, it's pretty similar to the other ones. We use like this really nice Bemberg lining and all of them that gets hand block printed in, uh, again, in that same town near uh, Jaipur. And yeah, embroidered labels, rear zippers. We try and sort of the thing that I'm trying to do is uh, not sort of compromise on uh, the hardware, the lining, things like that that can just elevate the garment a bit more. Yeah, it's all about those about those details. Uh, mm -hmm. The next one I want to talk about was you know the Cantha embroidered double knees. Those look absolutely amazing. 
you worked with you know artisans in uh, Burnport, right? Yeah, Burnport. Yeah. Uh, so those are those are like personal favorite, and those are the ones that I've gotten the most shit for from like eighteen East fanboys. Really? Which, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Like, it's a two tone double but I can like if someone wants the reference in uh, the DMs or something, I'll send them the photo. Plus, like, Nicholas Daly did, like, two-tone Dalvinis in 2017, so I don't know if anyone really owns that concept. Plus, mine yeah. is, like, a very different product with the, uh, the whole sort of Kanta embroidery that's all done by hand in, by this uh, artisan in, in Burnpur, which is, again, uh, West Bengal, to the east of the country, uh, which is, yeah, counterintuitive. But uh, they've really specialized in it. Like, the work is such high caliber. It's not always on time, which has been, like... Uh, very frustrating, but it's very like high quality, great execution every time from that guy. Amazing, yeah. I mean, I think they're incredible. And then the last one I want to talk about was the the hoodie you made in that like army green color and use like you know pomegranate grind grind for it. Yeah, so uh, a lot of the stuff is naturally dyed for the Dublinese again. Sorry to go back to that. Those are naturally dyed in. Uh, also, I think it's a combination of onion skin and pomegranate grind. And that's like uh-huh. a Kadi denim base. And that actually weirdly doesn't bleed that much, which is really unique for natural dye. Uh, it just sort of sets in the fabric really well. But uh, for the other one, that was just pure pomegranate rind. It gives it like this really, and a little bit of indigo actually. And it gives it this really nice sort of, you know, when you know something is just going to fade really nicely. Right. Uh, that's the sort of feeling. And then the, Applique is done in a block printed corduroy. Wow. How do you, you know, come up with these colors and like, how do you, like, how did you first get introduced to, you know, natural dyes and how do you come up with, you know, mixing different, you know, natural materials to find, make these like incredible colors? Uh, so the idea first wasn't to use natural dyes because it can be a little bit painful to handle when it's not done correctly. But uh, then I just sort of, it was super unsustainable, especially in like the places we were producing with like water shortages and stuff like that to get like the vintage look on a lot of garments. So it was easiest to sort of natural dye and sun fade in most cases. So Mm -hmm. that was where these sort of ideas stemmed from. There are like certain communities that have specialized in natural dyeing. And there's a woman that I work with in New Delhi for the uh, Kadi fabrics. Uh, she sources them, she naturally dyes them in her office, and she was sort of just educating me on a lot of the processes or the color development. So for SS22, like we've really sort of gone into the sort of historical archive of natural dyeing and products and colors that are really nice. Uh, so I'm looking forward to sort of sharing that. Yeah, wow, that sounds amazing. You know, I'm always kind of curious, you know, what has been one of your favorites recently? Like, what have you been wearing a lot? I love the fleeces a lot, like the Sherpa jackets. Uh, those have, uh, the Sherpa itself is just really nice, high quality. I think the silhouette is good. I wanted something like boxy and cropped, um, like really wide, really short. So it looks good with like layering as well. And um, the sort of Kanta panels, which is like a Sushiko panel, it's sort of very similar to a Capital Boro jacket with a, with a, a new thing done with like block printed fabric. So oh, wow. it sort of Im- includes all these different elements of sort of what the brand represents. It's a good microcosm for the brand in that it's sort of a silhouette that would be sort of very conducive to someone that's really into their stuff. Uh, and then there's, when you look deeper, there's 
like block printing, natural dyeing, contour embroidery, quilting, all of that's included in the same thing. Yeah, it's like, I mean, as you said, like all of the thought that goes into each one of your designs is, you know, crazy. I mean, it's, I mean, you can definitely see it and it comes through with, you know, each piece. So I'm really excited for the future. Do you have anything dropping, you know, soon that people should be, you know, keeping an eye out for? Yeah, so another uh, whole lot of uh, the one-of-one content jackets will be coming soon. We There is fear that, like, India goes into lockdown again because the cases are rising really quickly. So, you know, if everything can be sort of COVID-compliant, we'll have those out pretty soon. And then for the summer, I realized, that, like, I don't know how many people want to buy a jacket when it's super hot outside. So we're going to be working with uh, a lot of like vintage woven fabrics and stuff like that to make uh, um, some camp collars, some sort of like a vintage soccer jersey silhouette. I'm a big soccer guy. That's sort of my true passion in life. And going back into the sort of archives of stuff that like Maradona used to wear and working with those types of silhouettes but with Indian Cardi fabrics and these vintage oh, fabrics wow. that I've found. So that's the yeah. sort of idea for the summer. Wow. Okay. That sounds like a, that's a crazy amount of stuff coming down the pipeline and that I'm really excited for. And, you know, before I, you know, let you go, you know, what is the process if someone wants to, you know, put in an order, you know, how does that process work? Yeah. So most of the time I'll have my website open right now it's short. I'm just working on a couple of kinks, but, um, you know, international shipping is like a lot some weeks I'll have it free. Some weeks I'll have it there'll be a charge, but really depends on what week you catch me. Uh, the, otherwise, just send me a DM and, you know, it's pretty easy to work something out, you know, given our quantities right now. Everything's fairly accessible just on the Instagram, Karu Research. Yeah, I'm going to be, uh, I might have to be putting in an order soon. Thank you again for, you know, coming on. You know, where can the people, you know, follow you at? Yeah, so I don't have a personal Instagram. It's just Karu Research. Follow the brand. We... It just clothes are just nice to look at, even if uh, you don't want yeah. to buy it. So <laughs> Honestly, that's what I, a, I scroll through. Yeah, so just give it a follow, you know. Engage with me if you have any questions about like anything, about the process, even about the cost. Like I'm fairly transparent about most of those things. So um, yeah, just open book pretty much. Yeah, hey, everyone who's listening should definitely, you know, go check you out. Uh, at Cairo Research, really great brand. Can't wait to see what you have coming out for this rest of this year and then spring, summer 22. Sounds crazy and amazing. So um, definitely, you know, be looking forward to that. Uh, thank you again, man. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this week's guest interview. If you enjoy the content in the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media to stay updated on all new podcast episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at The Fashion Collector Podcast. You can follow my personal account at AlexWalkerPH. You can follow us on Twitter at TFC underscore pod. And with that being said, I'll catch you all next week.